I've been looking forward to this camping trip with my best friends for months. We had planned every detail from the location of our campsite to the meals we would cook over the campfire. It was supposed to be the perfect getaway, a chance for us to unwind and enjoy the beauty of nature. We arrived at the campsite early in the morning and set up our tent in a quiet corner of the woods. Everything was going great until the second night of our trip when my friend disappeared. We had been sitting by the fire chatting and enjoying the stars when Tommy, one of our funniest friends, got up to use the restroom. After about 20 minutes, we noticed that he never came back. At first, I had assumed he'd gone to war with last night's all-you-can-eat sushi buffet, but as minutes turned into an hour, he didn't return. We all got up and searched the area around our campsite, but there was no sign of him. It was like he'd vanished into thin air. Panicked, I called the park rangers and told them what happened. They immediately launched a search and rescue operation, combing the woods for any sign of Tommy. We searched for days, covering miles of terrain, but there was no response. No matter how much effort we put into the search and rescue, we never found a trace of him. To this day, I wonder what had happened to him. Was he attacked by a wild animal? Did he have a similar demise as Elvis? Or was there something more sinister at play? The uncertainty haunts us. In this podcast episode, we'll be talking about people like Tommy and the phenomena missing 411. My name is Kayla, this is Zenu, and we are Cauldron Convos, baby. We're going to be doing a brief overview of Missing 411, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar. Missing 411 is essentially a term used to describe mysterious and unexplained disappearances of people in national parks and other wilderness areas in the United States and Canada. It comes from David Politis' series of books and documentary films where he walks through a number of commonalities in the cases, such as the victim's unexplained disappearances, unusual weather patterns, and lack of evidence or clues as to their whereabouts. Since David Politis' books and documentary, the missing 411 phenomenon has gained a following among those interested in paranormal and unexplained phenomena, maybe like yourself. However, David Politis' claims are controversial and many people state that the cases can be explained through accidents, animal attacks, or criminal activity instead of what David proposes. And let me tell you, I was on his side at first, because as a paranormal fan, as someone who doesn't want to disbelieve in anything until I hear about it, I never want to write anyone off just because, oh, it's not likely that that would happen. Shove it. Um, I wanted to, you know, believe them. The number of people that go missing in national parks in the wilderness is actually debatable. So we do know that more than 600,000 people go missing in the United States every year, and anywhere between 89% to 92% of those missing people are recovered every year, either alive or deceased. Now, this is according to the National Missing and Unidentified Person System. But we can't pinpoint exactly how many of the 600,000 people that go missing every year disappeared specifically in national parks or the wilderness. You would think that perhaps the Department of the Interior, which oversees the National Park Service, or the Department of Agriculture's U.S. Forest Service would keep track and release this information, release this data on how many people go missing in the wilderness. But they claim they do not keep track, so we don't know the number, but we'll circle back to this in a minute. However, Bigfoot Hunters estimates a number of missing people in national parks. In 2011, David Plaitis, aka the founder of the Missing 411 that we were just talking about, he is also the founder of the North American Bigfoot Search, (laughs) coincidentally. (laughs) And he launched a database of wildland disappearances that occurred under quote, mysterious circumstances. Now, from his research, there are at least 1,600 people, give or take, currently missing in the wild somewhere in the United States. 
According to the New York Post article titled Why Hundreds of People Vanished, the biggest obstacle to getting any information about missing people in the wild, according to Politis, is National Park Red Service tape. Or sorry, National Park Service red tape. Not, <laughs> yes. The tape's not a service. Hey, I'm a piece of tape. I'm at your service. Now, he speculates that the Park Service conceals the true data on how and where people disappear and how many have actually been found because, quote, it would shock the public so badly that visitor numbers would fall off a cliff. Now, at first, I was like, okay, really? Would national parks conceal that information? Like, the people, when I think of someone that works at a national park, I think of an earth lover. Yeah, I think of someone like that hippie. loves squirrels and chipmunks and little critters running up and down the trees. A hippie with a hat on. A hippie with a hat. But kind of like a cowboy-esque. A cowboy hippie hat. A mix of all of the things that you love. Down to earth. Definitely an earth sign. Drives a Subaru. Drives a, definitely drives a Subaru. But then I was like, wait, but who runs national parks? The government. The government. And do we trust that the government tells us everything that they know? No. Definitely not. There is no way that they don't know how many people have gone missing. Yeah, they definitely keep they track know. of that. They just don't want to publish it. And why? Why? Because that's they bad make press. Money. That's they bad make, press. Can you believe national parks want to make money? I mean, duh, but like. They weird, right? say they say there's no such thing as bad press, but I would say it's pretty bad press for the national parks to announce how many people go missing but, in them each year. But then I was like, really, if they release that information, okay, like how much profit are they even making a year? You know, like park admission was like five bucks, twenty bucks, I you think know? sometimes. But in it's the pricey like you know, I, I didn't think it was a lot. I was like Disney World, whatever. But then I did some digging, and on National Park's website, aka nps.gov, they even highlight how much money they bring in for the United States. The title of the news release is National Park Visitor Spending Contributed $28.6 billion to the United States Economy wow. in 2020. In this, they even say the annual peer-reviewed economics report was prepared by economists from the U.S. Geological Survey National Park Service. It includes information by parks and by states on visitor spending, the number of jobs supported, and other statistics. An interactive tool enables users to explore visitor spending jobs labor income value added blah 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 blah, blah. so they have all of this including an interactive tool to explore spending on <laughs> national parks who cares i'm not like oh i wonder how much money the corn dogs at the restaurants and national parks in the united states are bringing in every year who who would be looking yeah, who that needs up? the corn dog breakdown why are they having this interactive graph wouldn't people be more interested in how many people go missing in these parks every year well that's bad press they're hiding that what else are they hiding about <laughs> the missing people what do you mean they're huh? hide, they hide so much huh? who's to say they don't hide evidence billman i feel like he was in that that documentary that we watched aka missing from one the first one he stated national parks like yosemite operate almost as sovereign states when somebody goes missing in their territory, yeah. they're not inclined to seek help from outside government agencies. Quote, it would be like the U.S. asking Mexico for COVID-19 ventilators, which, <laughs> what a comparison. But also, like, that's weird, right? Like, the national parks act as a sovereign state. Between 1958 and 2021, there were only 29 open cold cases for missing individuals at national parks, according to Trail and Summit. The Grand Canyon and Yosemite make up over half of those missing cases, with the most having vanished from California's iconic Yosemite National Park. Aficionados of the Vanish believe that at least 1,600 people, and perhaps many times that number, remain missing on public lands under circumstances that defy easy explanation, John Billman wrote for Outside Online in 2017. With all that being said, we basically don't know the number of people missing in forests, national parks, but we do know it's a good amount. 
And we know that the national parks don't keep track for some reason. Or they do keep track, they just won't share it with the public because they bring it in the dough. And I'm not talking pizza dough, Tony. How did Politus' work start? Well, according to Politus, his work on the subject began when he was doing research in a national park and an off-duty park ranger found him and expressed concern about the questionable nature of some of the missing person cases which occurred in the parks. The ranger asked Politus to dig a bit into the issue in which he did, and while doing so, uncovered multiple lines of evidence suggesting negligence on the part of the park service in failing to locate the missing people. I like how the park ranger asked him for help, and then he was like, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're the problem. <laughs> As of August 2021, he has written at least 10 books on this topic. According to a sobering coincidence, he does not yet have a theory on what is causing the disappearances, although he indicates that the field of suspects is narrowing. Pilatus tells his readers to go outside of their normal comfort zone to determine who or what is the culprit of these missing people. In response, a petition was created to make the department accountable. Ten books? Is that necessary? Or yeah. I think he's insinuating that Bigfoot's kidnapping them or aliens. Yeah. And before we get into a few of the missing 411 cases that we found interesting, I wanted to share someone that opposes Politis, and his name is Kyle Polich, and he is a data scientist and host of the Data Skeptic podcast. Uh-oh. And he do- documented his analysis of Politis's claims in the article Missing 411. A data scientist is a conspiracy theorist's worst nightmare. <laughs> he concluded that the allegedly unusual disappearances represent nothing unusual at all and are instead best explained by non-mysterious causes such as falling or sudden health crises leading to a lone person becoming immobilized off trail, drowning, bear, or other animal attack, environmental exposure, or even deliberate disappearance. After analyzing the missing person data, Pollock concluded that these cases are, quote, not outside the frequency that one would expect or that there's anything unexplainable that I was able to identify. This presentation was discussed in a February 2017 article in a Skeptical Inquirer, a publication of the CSI. In the article, Susan Gerberk reported, Politis gave no reason for these disappearances, but finds odd correlations for them. For example, two women missing in different years both had names starting with an A with three letters, Amy and Anne. Pollock concluded in his analysis, I've exhausted my exploration for anything genuinely unusual. After careful review to me, not a single case stands out, nor do the frequencies involved seem outside of expectations. All right, so we are going to now be getting into a few of the missing 411 cases before we talk about the theories behind them. Now, the Dennis Martin story is a tragic case of a six-year-old boy who disappeared while on a family camping trip in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee on June 14, 1969. Dennis and his family, including his father, grandfather, and older brother, were camping in the park's Spence Field area. The boys were playing a game of hide-and-seek when Dennis suddenly vanished. <laughs> he must be pretty good at hide-and-seek. Yeah. His family searched for him for several hours but were unable to find him. Park rangers and rescue personnel were quickly called in to aid in the search, which lasted for several days and involved hundreds of people, including volunteers, helicopters, and tracking dogs. Despite the extensive search effort, no trace of Dennis was ever found. The case became one of the most famous missing person cases in the United States history, and it has been the subject of numerous books, documentaries, and podcasts. Now, some people have speculated that Dennis was just kidnapped or attacked by a wild animal, while others believe that he simply got lost and died of exposure or starvation in the dense forest. Someone on Reddit commented on the case, noting, I always thought the Dennis Martin case was really bizarre. The kid whose family met another family, also had the surname Martin, in a national park 
park and both of the family's kids started playing hide and seek. The dad watched his son Dennis duck down behind a bush and never come out again. The following nonsense that occurred from the Green Berets showing up to another family seeing a large man bear carrying something on its shoulder after hearing a blood-curdling scream to an FBI agent that was investigating the case supposedly committing suicide. There are a number of other strange points to the story too. As I side note, I just remembered hearing recently that the name Martin, for whatever reason, is often associated with strange disappearances. Can't remember where I heard that though, possibly the Mysterious Universe podcast. We're looking at you, Steve Martin. So this is an example of one that people, you know, even people that oppose Missing 411, they usually point this out as a really bizarre case that they were never able to find any trace of this got kid, Dennis Martin. Maybe that's why Steve Martin has so many kids and cheaper by the dozen because he just abducts the kids that lost in <laughs> oh national parks. Oh my God, parks. conspiracy theory. I didn't even know that, that was your last name and cheaper by the dozen. I love how you well, know that movie so well. No, no, the actor's name is Steve Martin. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Do you just think I know this cheaper by the dozen lore? Cheaper by the dozen lore. And we actually watched Missing 411, like the first one that ever came out, I think. Yes, in 2016. It was a slow watch. It was. I thought it was going to be way more interesting, crazier than it was. Another lost kid whose parents freaking killed them. And then another lost kid that isn't freaking lost. Where was... Wait, really? The kid survived. Oh, wait, which one? The one that walked like 12 miles in the pitch black. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. The missing case of Dior Coons Jr. is featured as a prominent story in this documentary. Yep. So Dior Coons Jr. was a two-year-old boy who disappeared from a campground in Lemmy County, Idaho on July 10th, 2015. He was on a camping trip with his parents, great-grandfather, and a friend of the family. According to the parents, they left little Dior in the care of his great-grandfather, Robert Walton, grandpa's friend, but... And he just met him? When the parents returned to the campsite, they discovered that Dior was missing. Long story short, a bunch of people on Reddit think that Dior's parents, or little Dior's parents, I guess Dior and Jessica or whatever her (laughs) name is, they actually murdered their son or that maybe it was an accident a different day. I smell something fishy. There's a little discovery of Dior Coons' Jr.'s little coat that he supposedly was wearing when he went missing in the family home. Another strange part of the Dior case is the private investigator that the parents hired pointed out how suspicious that the parents were and even said that they're, he thinks that they were hiding something or lying about something or not giving him all the information that he needed. So even the private investigator that they paid is like, uh... Oh, uh, hello? I think uh, you guys did it. Yeah. <laughs> Another classic story that um, is always referenced, a little boy who went missing going camping with his family and they did end up finding him and when they asked him what happened to him, he said a woman who looked like his grandma told him to come with her. They went into a cave and she asked him to poop on a piece of sticky paper and he said he didn't have to and she got a little mad and eventually she took him back to the berry bushes and told him to wait there. Oh my god, I did not see that coming. Sticky paper. He said that the light hit his grandma's face and he could tell she was a robot because she was glowing or sparks came out of her. The the story keeps being retold and it's a little wishy-washy here and there, but that's just one of the ones where it's like paranormal-esque, where it's like this kid who could barely speak has all of the, like, is able to craft this story. If you're ever in the woods and an old woman tries to coax you into a cave to poop on sticky paper, don't do it. Now, this story is about Jim or James McCrogan, 
And actually, this is on the Missing411 Reddit as well. And the person that posted it stated, My uncle, an experienced outdoorsman, went missing and was found under strange circumstances, looking for answers. Her uncle was a Missing 411 case back in 2014, and she pointed out nothing makes sense about it. He was an experienced outdoorsman, camped by himself in the Alaskan wilderness, but was found dead a month after he was missing near Vail, Colorado. Authorities ruled it an accident, said he fell to his death. It came as a shock to my family, and we all haven't been the same since. And I've been finding out stuff that I was never told. He was found wearing no coat, gloves, or boots, but still had his helmet. He was found 14 miles away from his original trail and would have had to make the hike in deep snow. The original search party looked in the area and didn't find him. Once he was found, they said that they had looked in the area. My uncle was no idiot. He had with him all the necessary supplies and rescue gear. So what I'm really getting is to, I want some answers. Even if it's just, what do you think? This has really effed up my family and it'd be nice to have some peace. The top comment even points out that Dr. McCrogan's case is one of the most baffling. Everyone should watch the compelling short film regarding his disappearance on the Can-Am Missing Projects YouTube channel. But in addition to all of these missing 411 stories that actually seem kind of bizarre, potentially paranormal, maybe just an accident, but, you know, worth questioning. There are some that uh, Politis publishes that are um, not right at all. <laughs> uh, there's actually a bunch of people on Reddit that busts the stories that Politis has and featured in his documentaries and books. This person said, I attempted to solve these 12 missing 411 cases, and this is what I found. These cases were all included in a book subtitled Unexplained Disappearances of North Americans that have never been solved, but it seems these mysteries were solved decades and decades ago. So I'll just read one of them, but they go through 12, as they said. For an example, Riley Amsbog was a case that Politis featured in his book. Riley Amsbog was 55 years old back in 1902, so we're talking a long time ago, but he went missing in Ohio. David Politis describes Ambog as a man of habit, and he was expected back at his house for lunch, but he never returned. Politis says witnesses had seen Amsbog in his cornfield and at a berry patch, but few other details were available. Politis continues that local sheriff did join the search and stated that 75 people had scoured the woods looking for Riley. No clues have been found. But this author disproves that he is still missing, pointing out two newspaper clippings about finding Riley. (laughs) (laughs) One of the titles is Riley Amsbog, the wealthy farmer who disappeared from his home last Thursday, was found this morning. I mean, okay, hear me out. If you're going to write 10, 12 books on this subject, at least a few of them are probably going to be solved. Yeah, but this was solved like a simple Google search. This the author well, pointed out. Sometimes of, people don't do their research. Well, you can't not do your research if you're an author claiming that all of these missing like I don't know. Well, there's at least twelve though. Yeah, there's That's at least twelve. How many stories? Probably there's hundreds of stories. To give some some validity to Politis, in the documentary there is the story of the little kid that went missing playing hide and seek. Not the first one, another one, and he was gone overnight and they launched a big search and rescue effort and they found him the next day eight miles away but they didn't only find him eight miles away they found his tracks five miles away from the starting point which is an additional eight miles so he really traveled like 12 miles 13 miles Uh in one night being a little kid through thick brush so that's pretty sketchy if you ask me yeah How a little kid does that, I'm not sure. 
We'll never know. A lot of people point out that when you contrast the information given by Politis with other sources, he often has little, if any, to back up his claims. Some other cases can't even be found anywhere else at all. His work reminds me of... <laughs> no Trump. wonder they've never been found because they've never been missing. Someone else wrote, I have had the same experience with DP. He's written about cases I was actively part of the search rescue recovery. He was relaying details that were flat out, flat out wrong as if it was from an official source. He hardly ever responds to anyone who is critical of his research or conclusion. And someone else... Po- DP. And someone else wrote this and I just, I loved it. He only works to enrich himself. Fame is what he's looking for, not missing people. Oh! I feel like the stories from like the 60s, the 50s, the 70s, and the 80s just don't really have a lot of validity in my head. Okay, they had tracking dogs, but I don't know. I just feel as if the tracking methods were a little bit more rudimentary, Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the power of technology. Yes. So I kind of write those off just a little bit because like the odds of losing a kid in the 80s is a little bit higher than losing a kid like say 2014, 2015, like from Bluetooth. Yeah, my phone. My phone has the SOS on it. Mm, It can communicate to a satellite for help. So that's what like let's see David Plaitis write a book now. Yeah, Davey. But let's just let's just give David Plaitis the benefit of the doubt for a second because there are some cases that say, okay, so let's just hypothesize about if it's not uh just like nature or falling or an illness or something what are the theories and what happened to these people so one of the theories is could like the grandma one the story about the grandma who made the kid poop on sticky paper um there's a theory that perhaps there are clones that's why there were two grandmas crickets no, crickets. no clones. Okay. I would go up the Skinwalker Ranch, Skinwalker mm. theory any day of the week over clones. Well, what if the clones are from another planet because they're us? Are they but from Camino? Away. I think it's interesting because if there were aliens that were studying humans, you know, they would abduct somebody that's a little abnormal. You know, they can get any normal person. But hey, like for example, there was a deaf kid that went missing, and his remains mm. were found fifteen miles up up the mountain. Like, no way that kid hiked up there himself. Mm-hmm. He definitely, you know, was taken, was by an taken alien. there. But why would they return the body so people don't know that aliens exist? Well, maybe they're just recycling. Ew. Like, throwing it back into nature. I don't know. Do they do autopsies to see if any organs are missing? No. Well, those were just bones they found. Oh, yeah. Duh. So, yeah, alien abduction is another theory. Could these people have been abducted in national parks, middle of nowhere? No one's going to, you know. Yeah, see or the there could be like a serial or... killer. I mean, the one thing is there are people that go missing in all the national parks. Mm-hmm. It's just like open spaces without security mm-hmm. cameras, without cell phone service is where mm-hmm. these people are going missing, which is mm-hmm. interesting. So it makes me think, you know, what is the premises behind them going missing? So then obviously, like like you just said, skinwalkers or don't. Is that what you said? Yeah, skinwalkers. I think skinwalkers. So another uh, theory is cryptozoology. Now, one might assume Politis, who is the founder of the North American Bigfoot search <laughs> and the author of the book <laughs> Tribal Bigfoot. Okay. Now I wonder if he knows Bobo. It. Do you know he's... Bobo from Bigfoot Hunters? No. He's just like this big oaf. Bobo, Bobo, if you're listening, come on to our show. But you would assume that he would push this cryptozoology explanation, um, but he hasn't, so weird. The kid that was dragged and like the shoes weren't dragged, 
Like they think maybe it was dragged by a mountain lion or something. Yeah, they were talking Bigfoot about it. Bigfoot could carry it. Him. Yeah, Bigfoot throws him over your sh- his shoulder like a continental soldier. Another theory is: could it be the government taking these people? Maybe they want to study on them. Yeah, study do some tests. Them. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Uncle Sam is kidnapping people from the national parks and like national ra- park rangers are just like special agents. Whoa! They just go theory. <laughs> they pass out, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the little kid's gone. Another theory is: could it be a time dimensional slip? <gasps> because like they see them and then they're gone. But now, but, maybe okay. they entered an area where time, whatever, and they're in another dimension now. Yeah, but little kids run off. I guess. But why would there be like? I guess. People do think, I don't know if Dave Politis thinks this or not, but Bigfoots are interdimensional interdimensional creatures, mm. and they travel between dimensions. I mean, that's pretty out there. That is out there. <laughs> Way more in the camp of there's an ape in North America than there is interdimensional Bigfoots. <laughs> He's in like a spaceship. <laughs> I think it's more of like, a, on I think it's more of like an Park. apparition, like they apparate mm, like yeah. wizards. Which kind of reminds me of ghosts which is another theory i don't know how maybe the ghosts lead them to death yeah they're like i died here so are you come here grandma oh maybe they have to one every whenever someone goes missing and dies they have to recruit more missing people like ghosts in the graveyard yeah now we're gonna go more into the discussion not the theories but the discussion of do we think missing 411 is i don't know What's Factor, what do you cap, think happened? Cap to or these no people? cap? I what do you honestly, think happened? Okay, I think that there are people that overestimate their abilities in nature, mm-hmm. and they're taking a little kid into nature. So I'm picturing like you know a little loosey goosey person with their kid in a national park, no cell phone service. Kid runs off. Mm. You don't notice for five minutes. You can go a oh. long way in five minutes. I think that. Maybe 87%, maybe, no, maybe 90% of them die of the environment or illness or something natural. Then I want to say probably like 8% are serial killers, but maybe that 2% are those clones. No, just kidding, not clones. Aliens or something. Yeah. So I definitely think that people have been murdered in national parks. There's that whole poopo loophole in the national park where you can go kill somebody and not get tried for it. Mm. Watch a YouTube video on that. It's interesting. It's not really a law because you get federally tried, but Mm. there's no like counties because like part of the Washington state or part of like the Oregon state parks in Washington or something Mm -hmm. or Idaho. Do you think that the Missing 411 series provides a valuable service in raising awareness? I think so. Or I think, does it simply promote fear and sensationalism? I think it definitely promotes fear, but I feel like that's what humans in general are going for. They're mm-hmm. looking for something to be scared of. And sensationalism, you find everywhere no matter what. I yeah. mean, you can't watch anything without yeah. sensationalism. So I think that it does do a service in a way it where both. it's making people aware. Like the whole Gabby Petito thing. I'm not saying she was missing 411. Obviously, she was murdered by her ex-boyfriend or I guess her boyfriend. But, you know... Stuff like that, like brings it to light, like this whole Dior thing. Like, mm-hmm. if this wasn't in the Missing 401 documentary, I certainly would have never heard of Dior, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there wouldn't be so many Reddit and Facebook communities doing yeah. research. Or on even them. the people that are like super outdoorsy, like environment are really adventurous and athletic. Like, 
for them, the cases where people like that just die or have hypothermia or whatever in these missing 411 cases, I'm sure it brings, um, you it know, makes you, fear like, wake to up, them. But you also, know? yeah, wake, wake up. up and smell the coffee, wake up. motherfucker. Next because time, yeah. you're not invincible. I see that you're fit. I see you have abs. And I see that you think you can climb the mountain. But, dude, don't bring your kid. What do you think could be done to improve search and rescue efforts in wilderness areas and prevent these types of ex- disappearances from occurring in the future? I think that Cameras, there should be... drones flying over. Uh, no, that would ruin national parks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there should maybe be more qualifications required or just requirements in order to go hiking in a national park, whether that's when you check in. I don't know how it works. Never been to a national park, but I'm assuming you check in in some capacity. But that's not And when not you check fair. in, you get some sort of satellite phone. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to say- Look, these motherfuckers bring in a lot of money. How many many billions of dollars? Are there any ethical concerns with the way David Plaitis and the Missing 411 series approached these cases, such as exploiting the families of the missing or promoting unsubstantiated theories? Smoke for 100% because I think David Plaitis takes advantage of these people. And I think that he probably, as a police detective, has a little bit more insight than myself on, for example, this Dior case. Like, it didn't take me five minutes to realize that Dior was killed by his parents. I mean, again, that's just an an observation Mm -hmm. and an opinion that is not fact. But I think it's pretty compelling, you know, that this guy, he kind of can sniff out bullshit, not bullshit, and then all of a sudden... He's kind of reporting stuff, and then he's reporting fake news as well. And I think that's a huge disservice to his own work because, look, if you're listening just to our podcast, you're like, oh, this guy has 12 fake stories out of many hundred. I mean, that's still 12 fake stories. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Like, you're really like 12 separate times. You didn't freaking Google it, dude. You didn't do the research. No one talks. No one. No one talks about that. I've never heard that. I've listened to podcasts on Missing 411, and I've never heard that. Because they didn't go dig their on Reddit like I do. Okay. Anyways, thank you guys so much for watching, and we'll see you guys next week here on College and Comedies. Bye. Toodaloo.